a listener production. Let me share a story I heard a few years back. It's about a fiber optic cable in Papua New Guinea. PNG hasn't had really great high-speed connections to the global internet, at least not ones that span all of Papua New Guinea. So a Chinese firm came along and decided to change that. And PNG could afford this because they were using an infrastructure loan that was graciously provided by the Chinese government. And the Chinese government was basically paying for a Chinese company to install Chinese telecoms equipment from Huawei all up and down the coastline of PNG, connecting all of the cities together, connecting the lowlands with this very high-speed internet service. All of that was agreed to. It even made a bit of news. And at some point, someone in Canberra learned about this and freaked out. And they realized they'd missed the boat. So before very long, a second fiber optic cable wound its way around the PNG coastline and PNG could afford this one too with an infrastructure loan graciously provided by the Australian government to pay an Australian telecoms company to install telecoms equipment that wasn't manufactured in China. And suddenly PNG went from having no high-speed fiber optic links around the country to two high-speed fiber optic links around the country, the Chinese Kumal cable and the Australian Vocus cable. I mean, it's always good to have some redundancy, particularly in a cable, but was all of that necessary? Well, according to someone from PNG, it was, because as he said, the Chinese get to listen to us on their fiber and the Australians can listen to us on theirs. G'day, I'm Mark Pesci. The coming decade will transform the world and Australia's place in that world. So we're launching this series. This is Series 5 with something a bit different. We're at the start of a new decade, and this decade will be very different than any that preceded it. It will be governed by four big trends. So in these first four episodes, we're exploring each of these trends. We're setting the stage for Series 5. We're introducing the main themes, the main players, and the main predictions. And that's a new thing, too. You see, I'm a futurist. I make predictions. Predictions, they are my stock in trade. But you've not really heard me ever doing that on this show. I bring guests on to tell their stories. I let those stories set the scene. I let you draw your own conclusions. But this time, in this series, it's going to be a little different. I'm going to take some risks. I'm going to make some calls, predictions about the future over the next decade. And once those predictions have been made, we'll be able to go back to them at the end of the year and the next year and the year after, all the way to the end of the decade. And we'll see how much of the future I got right and where I got it wrong and how and why. I will lay these predictions out clearly. I will explain my reasoning. We will look at the forces in play. Because you see, the whole point of this show, the ethic that motivates everything connected to the next billion seconds, it's really quite simple. We tell you what you need to know so you can make the best decisions in the weeks and months and years ahead. 
when we know, we can watch. And where it suits us, we can lean in. Or where it's safer, we can get out of the way. Where it's possible to get out of the way. Because what's happening over this decade, it is so much bigger than us. And it's important to know your limits. Where your ability to change the world trails off and where the world picks up. Now, in this third episode of Series 5, we take a look at the rising empire of the People's Republic of China, because few things will be as important to us as the rise of China. So follow along as we make some more predictions on this episode of The Next Billion Seconds. We have never talked about geopolitics across all of the hundred or so episodes thus far of The Next Billion Seconds. It's a big topic, and a lot of the specifics are best left to experts. But the big picture, that's exactly the sort of thing you want a futurist for. But before we get to the future, let's start with a bit of history. Since the end of the Second World War, America has been a great power. Great powers, they get to create their own realities. The things they say are true, they become true. Now, maybe not perfectly true and maybe not always true, but a great power is always going to act as though the things they say are always true. And they're going to expect everyone else to respect their belief, to buy into the myth. And a great power can be identified by the reach of their myths. When the Soviet Union was at its peak, so this is early in the post-war period, its mythology spanned half the globe from Eastern Europe all the way to North Korea and pretty much everything in between. And like every great power before it in history, it worked to spread its mythology around the edges of its empire. The Americans did the same thing. And in places where both contended and attempted to extend their mythologies, those places became battlegrounds. Places like the Korean Peninsula, Cuba, Vietnam, Afghanistan... There are always places that are just out of the reach of the great powers, just beyond their supply lines, just outside their sphere of influence. For the Soviet Union, that was Afghanistan. For the United States, Iran. And for the new rising power, China, you know what place is just out of reach for them? Australia. And it is driving them to distraction. Although the story of China and Australia seems quite new, in reality, it's ancient. Not with these particular powers, but in this form. Great powers have always had to contend with powers at their margins, regional powers. More than 2,000 years ago, the Romans, the great power of Western Eurasia, they had the Armenians to contend with on the far eastern edges of their empire. And at about exactly the same time, on the other side of Eurasia, the Chinese had the Zhongu, which was a tribal confederation in the north. Great powers always have trouble with regional powers. And it's not really the fault of the great power or the regional power. It's just that the regional power doesn't buy into the myth of the great power and the regional power resists that myth and that sets the stage for conflict. So to come to our present moment, you might be surprised here for me to talk about Australia as a regional power, but we most assuredly are. How can you tell? Well, when things go wrong, 
the nations within Australia's sphere of influence look to Australia for stability and for assistance. They don't look to China. They don't look to America. They look to Australia. That set of nations, well, it can be fairly described as Oceania and Papua New Guinea, the nations that Prime Minister Scott Morrison described recently as our Australian family. Australia is the dominant influence in this corner of the world, a corner of the world that China very much has its eyes on as it flexes its newfound power and seeks to extend its myths to increase its power and to protect itself. So here's another prediction, the first in this episode. It's one that we will be able to go back and check on in the months to come. The conflict between China and Australia isn't temporary. It's structural. It's baked into the relationship. And for all that it may make us uncomfortable to know this, we're better off knowing it because it means we can find ways to live with the constant agitation it will bring as a great power tries to grind down a regional power. In a moment, we'll take a look at what happens when great powers collide. One of the best things that my mentor taught me long ago was, be careful how you treat people on the way up because you'll meet them again on the way down. And that's a great bit of personal advice, but it turns out it's also a handy bit of geopolitics. China is the rising great power of the 21st century. America is, at least in a relative sense, in decline. And there are a lot of ways that you can measure this in relative terms. For example, before the pandemic, it was reckoned that China's gross national product would pass America's sometime around 2035. But the pandemic changed all of that. America missed a beat. America stumbled. China, well, China was basically the only large economy that didn't shrink in 2020 because of the pandemic. It is now reckoned that China will surpass America's GDP by 2028. And here I'm going to make another prediction. It will be some decades before we know for sure. But I feel confident in predicting that the pandemic will be cited as the moment that the great powers switched positions, when one was unambiguously on its way up, just as the other took a nosedive. And that's a very delicate moment. It's a very dangerous moment. History tells us that. It happened at the start of the 20th century when Germany pipped the United Kingdom as the biggest economy in Europe. And each was each other's largest trading partner. And despite that, because that's also the case with China and the United States, despite that, within a few years, they were at war. And I am not saying this will happen. We are not headed back to the trenches. But you can see battle lines being drawn. You can see the United States doing everything in its power to hold on to its great power advantages in science and technology and finance and political influence. And each of these are the new battle lines between the two great powers of the 21st century. So here's where I can make a few more predictions. First, we will see these battles flare up more and more frequently over the next decade. They won't look like military battles. They'll look like trade wars. The United States will do everything in its power to deny China the resources it needs. We can already see this in the way Americans have cut the Chinese out of the market for the most sophisticated computer chips. 
We saw this in the way that China tried to corner the market in rare earths. These are metals that are essential to making most electronics. And they did that back in 2019. When they did corner the market, it drove prices up globally, which gave birth to a new rare earths industry here in Australia. So this great power conflict, it has consequences for regional powers. Regional powers get drawn into these disputes. And it will make it all the more confusing for Australia as it tries to navigate between a declining great power, a rising great power, and all the while tries to maintain its own regional power status. When one great power rises as another falls, even in relative terms, there are troubles for everybody. And here I'll make another prediction. Those troubles will be the big global stories in this decade. They won't be the only stories, not at all. They may not even be the biggest stories, but we can depend on seeing these continuing and intensifying struggles between the great powers. And we'll see struggles over Australia's role as a regional power. Both will be a feature of our world going forward. There's Nothing we can do about that. But we can decide how we want to position ourselves between these great powers. And we can accept that there is always going to be friction between China as a great power and Australia as a regional power. And we can decide that it's okay if we both run fiber optic cables. We can learn to live with it. For Australians, the next decade of China will look very little like its recent past. We will be working out how to engage with a power that is very powerful and looks nothing like the myth China tells about itself. We will have to work with them around digital currencies. We will have to work with them around climate change. We will have to work with them in a world where power flows and resides very differently. These great power battles, with a bit of luck and a bit of wisdom, they'll be economic. They won't go military. So in the fourth episode, where we're introducing these major themes, we'll make some predictions about what's going to happen inside our heads over the next decade, the decade when social media changes everything. That's on the next episode of The Next Billion Seconds. The Next Billion Seconds was written and presented by Mark Pesci, producer Alex Mitchell, and sound production Darcy Thompson. If you like this show, hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who might like it too, please share it with them. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening.